Radio guys, welcome back to the Eco Fitness Podcast by Karina Duffy, where I chat all things about creating healthy, sustainable habits within your fitness, your lifestyle, and within your mindset as well. So today's podcast is all about everybody's on about vision boards, do up vision boards, write down your goals, set goals for 2023. Let's go smash our goals, chest out, all this kind of mad carry on. So of course, I do get my members to a vision board. I also write down my big long-term goals for the year. And I also write down my goals um, short-term for every six weeks. They do work, but I really wanted to get the science behind it from a brain point of view and from um, a neuro um, cellular point of view of why they work. So of course I did a bit of digging and this is what I found. So usually when you're setting goals that the old school way, people call it different things. There's like the smart way. There's a few different ways that you can set out goals. Like the smart way is it has to, the goal has to be specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, relevant and time bound, which works really cool. Um, from an executive level or from just a basic level, it works. Um, because you have to set a goal, it has to be measurable, it has to be attainable, it has to be relevant to you, because if it's not relevant to you, why would you bother doing it? And it has to be time-bound, you have to give yourself a time frame. We are having a baby in X amount of time. We are getting married in X amount of time. Um, I am leaving my job in X amount of time. I am finished my course in X amount of time, and then I'm going to apply for a different role, so on and so forth. You know the story there. Anyway, so first of all, before we begin... Um, there is a study called the 85% Rule for Optimal Learning. And within that study, it's in research, it's saying that when you're setting goals, set the goals up in such a way that you're allowing error for 15% of the time. If you set your goals up um, every week and every month and every few months um, and every day that you're trying to overachieve and that you're failing 50%, well, then that means that what you set out to accomplish is too hard for yourself. So this is the same scenario that in my job as such, if I set my clients up for failure and made the workouts far too hard at the beginning, getting them in doing deadlifts at 80 kg at the beginning, or sending them into a, um, a strength class with dumbbells and they never lift a dumbbell in their life and I sent them in with 10 kgs, I'm setting them up for 60, 70% failure, which means... It's too much. They're not going to come back. So when you're setting goals, remember the 85% rule for optimal learning. And I'll just, I wrote down a few notes I took from the study. Um, I hope I do it justice <laughs> that I took from the study from a neuro point of view and the brain point of view of why um, failing, giving yourself that failure rate of 15% actually catapults you into the learning phase. So I'll give you an example, one of the girls online, when she was onboarding onto my membership site, the seven steps to onboard onto the membership site, she was like, oh, I'm just not clued in when it comes to um, technical stuff. And, you know, I tried to onboard myself, I just couldn't do it. And I was like, look, you need to fail about 15% to catapult you into learning. The only way that our brain can evolve and our body can evolve is putting it through a little bit of stress and that gets our set up for learning. So when we do exercises, putting our body through a little bit of stress and that's setting us up to change our body from a cellular point of view. From a cellular point of view, our cardiovascular system's getting pumped up. 
our muscles are repairing all the time. Our cells are repairing all the time. We're filtering out inflammation in the body. Um, our brain is functioning at um, a more focused and more productive um, way. Um, we're clearing out dead debris in the cells in our brain from exercise. That's been proven now as well from research as well, that when we exercise, we can clear out dead debris in the brain. And if we clear out dead debris in the brain, I could imagine, you don't have to be a scientist to figure this out, that you're less brain fog and that you're firing up on all cylinders and you're thinking more clearly as well. So you have to set yourself up for some sort of failure, but not 50%. 15% is what research says is an ideal sitting point to achieve your goals, to be consistent and to get into that learning phase. So basically you're making to, to don't be afraid to fail is what I'm trying to say. You're making your brain work just like you would do um, a workout for your body. You're giving your brain a workout um, to strengthen the plasticity in the brain. And when you strengthen the plasticity in the brain, obviously it's going, you're going to be more sharp, you're going to be more fo focused, you're going to be more productive and you're putting yourself in a better position to learn more and to open your mindset up into more learnings and more possibility as well. So the key principle of neuroplasticity is making errors. So to grow um, intelligent, like to optimize your brain as such, you need to make errors. Because if everything was just sailing along and you weren't making errors, sure, you're not really giving your brain a workout. It's getting a bit stagnant and a bit bored because you're doing the same thing all the time. Floating along, it's like if it's, if, if it's your job and if it's your exercise and if it's your food, and if you're just floating along and you know you can do better, well, then you're not really challenging your brain for it to grow and get rid of all that dead debris in your brain and optimize it to its optimal health and grow. We're meant to be evolving as human beings. Anyway, that's the first part of this podcast. Don't be afraid to fail. You have to give yourself a 15% fail rate. When it comes to my exercise, when it comes to my program, if you have never done exercise before and you're saying, I want to show up to four workouts in a week, I would say no, because you haven't never done four workouts in a week. You're setting yourself up for a 50 to 60% fail rate. We need to set yourself up for a 15% fail rate because from a dopamine point of view, when it comes to the dopamine, we we are we are is an external targets that we hit or that we buy or we buy something or we eat something or we we buy a watch or you know we hit a target the dopamine gets released serotonin gets released when we come inward we do some meditation we get hugs we feed ourselves that's where serotonin is released according to the research papers i was reading anyway so when when you're looking to externally which is extra personal is what it's called is what the neuroscience call it when you're ex extra personally looking to reach targets um, it's dopamine that we're looking to release if we fail too much by 50 or 60 percent we're actually dropping our dopamine hit really 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 low and we're going to find it hard to climb back up and that's where people fail so by giving yourself an error of 15 percent we're not going to drop our dopamine that much to where it's going to be on the floor. We're keeping it high with the release all the time. So we're like, okay, I'll show up next week. It's fine. I didn't show up to that workout. So what I'm saying is if you've never done workouts before, set yourself up that you'll do two. And if you do three, it's a bonus. And if you do that third one, you're going to get a great shot of release of dopamine um, from reaching that target that you didn't really think you'd reach. And then it's going to keep you pumped and the adrenaline's going to be high so you can show up the next week. That's what I'm trying to say. So don't set yourself up for too much failure. Um, that's science. Um, next one. Are you in the driver's seat or are you in the passenger seat when it comes to your goals? Focus visual attention to initiate goal pursuit and improve performance. This 
if you're in the driver's seat. Before you begin a task, find an object that is outside of your peripersonal space and focus on it for 30 to 60 seconds. This is also proven for people with ADHD to kind of zone you back in again. What does this mean? Are you in the driver's seat? Are you in the passenger seat? So the reason I'm saying this, it's a visual focus. People, it has been proven that if you have a visual focus to focus on outside of your personal space, they call it peripersonal space, outside of your inner space, which is your breath, your organs, holding a cup, anything that you touch right beside you, a hug. If you can focus on something outside of your peripersonal space, which is called extrapersonal space, like a goal on a vision board or, you know, targets in work, if or especially if you work in sales or something like that, or you're visual with numbers and you have targets with sales or you have a diary and you're clicking through your to-do list for the day and your clients for the day, that's extra personal space and that's goals that you're looking at that you're ticking through boxes. What science says is it's good to have a focus outside of your personal space that's not in your head, that you can visually see, that you can aim for. It's called extra personal space. When, you, when we focus on something outside of us, and remember, anything that we achieve uh, goal-wise outside of our personal space, in the next room, in the next country, in the shop that we're going to go and buy a coffee, that those tasks that we go out to achieve and we do and we complete, whether it's buy a coffee or whether it's reach a goal, a weekly goal, a daily goal, a mini goal, anything outside of our inner and personal space releases dopamine. When we start releasing dopamine, we're building up the want to release more dopamine. We're building up the drive inside us. We're building up, it's, it just gets addictive when we start taking off little goals and we, we achieve them. This is why it's good to start off with goals that are going to not only be achievable, but also like challenge you a little bit. They have to challenge you a little bit because if they challenge you a little bit, you're going to get a greater sense of achievement afterwards that you did um, achieve that goal. Now, your challenge could be getting out of bed and going out for a walk. That could be your challenge. If that's the case, go do it. Do it every day. Do it every day until it becomes um, an auto habit. As I drink a little bit of my coffee here. Anyway, what this means is are you in the driver's seat or are you in the passenger seat? You have to be in the driver's seat when it comes to your goals, especially if you want to go achieve them. It's okay to go into the passenger seat every now and again and take a break and take a rest and come back again. What I mean by going into the passenger seat is I mean taking rest. Take and rest because you're not driving, you're not thinking, you're just looking at the scenery. What I mean by pastor seat is, I mean that if you're, if you have big goals set out for yourself and you really want to achieve them and this is your year, whether it's in your fitness, your health, your mindset, your relationship, your job, whatever, you have to lay out a clear pathway and a clear plan. First of all, lay out your big goal. I want to achieve a three stone loss. I want to move jobs. I want to find a relationship, X, Y, and Z. Set out a big goal. Get, an end, get a date for that big goal of when you want to achieve it and work backwards and get a clear roadmap to that goal. So for instance, if you wanted to drop three stone, okay, you're giving yourself until September 23. That is nine months. How are you going to do it? That's nine months. It's 14 pounds in a stone. So 14, I should have done the maths. I'm not really good at this. Four, four is eight, eight is 12. One, two, three, four. That's 42 pounds. Divide that by nine. I should have done the maths before I came up here. But anyway, that's, let's just say seven pounds a month, five, seven pounds a month. You break it down that way. Okay, if it's five or seven pounds a month for argument's sake, how am I going to do that every week? You know, maybe you need to push out your goal till October and break it down that you're releasing a pound a week. 
And as you release more weight, it gets slower. So then towards the end, it's a half pound a week. Okay, how are you going to release that half pound a week? Now we're breaking down the goal and giving yourself a roadmap. As you're breaking it down, you're going to write it down and put it on a piece of paper. So you have a roadmap that you can see every day on your fridge or on your phone, on your screensaver. Because it's proven by science that if you have a roadmap and you've your goal broken down into months, weeks, days, and even hours when it comes to your 12-hour day, and you have a roadmap and you follow it, even 80% because you're giving yourself um, 75% or 85% because you're giving yourself that 15% fail rate, you have a roadmap. And science has proven that if you have a target, um, let, me get the, let me get the study up here so I get the girl's name right. Emily, anyway, Bastille, I think her name is. I'm going to get her name up here now. Basically, they did a study on this. The biggest, they did a study on, they did two groups and they basically did a study on focusing on your goal, the power of focusing on a particular goal. So I'll focus visual attention to initiate goal pursuit and improve performance. So basically group A had weights on their legs and they're in a fitness challenge and they had to run, th- run through that to, to run towards a target. So sorry, I'm getting the study up here. It was called Focusing Visual Attention Improves Performance. It was done by Emily um, Balasis, I think her name is, lab in NYU. Um, anyway, this is what the experiment was. So group A was asked to focus on a goal line where running towards it with weights and their ankles. And group B were asked to look elsewhere while they were, they knew where the target was, but while they were running, they were told to look somewhere else, not at the target. Group, at the end of this um, research, the results were group A expended 17% less effort and got to the target 23% faster than group B. This phenomenon is rooted in our um, autonomous, autonomous nervous system. When we take in the world around, when we take in the world through our visual system, which is our eyes, the information can travel by two pathways. So group A was looking at the target. So because they had a target to look at, they were called virtuous eye movement. When we tend to intensely focus on a given point and observe all of the minute details of it. And group B were told to, they knew where the target was, but they were told to look around as if they're in the passenger seat of the car. And they're looking around and they're enjoying the scenery while they're going towards, they're not really driving. So this is what I meant by the, in the driver's seat and in the passenger seat. Um, group B, when you're looking through it visually through your eyes, that term is called magnocellular pathway, if I'm getting that right, which takes into account a global set of everything happening around us. So group B is associated more with relaxation. You're in the passenger seat of the drive of the car. Group A, which is which makes intuitive sense, is in the driver's seat. You're on, you're switched on, the adrenaline's running, you have a focus, you have your Google Maps on in your car, just the way you would when you're going for a goal, whether it's weight loss, whether it's fitness, whether it's training for half a marathon, you have a clear plan and it's written down and you're following that map to a T that builds up the adrenaline, that builds up the dopamine because you're hitting these mini goals towards your target, especially if it's a long-term target like a weight loss or half a marathon or something like that or saving for a house or planning your wedding, which takes two years. You're going buying a dress, you're doing all this and that releases dopamine from outside of your personal space. Dopamine gets released in the brain because we're hitting targets and we're achieving them. So as the result of this study, there's a slight increase in arousal, which isn't a bad thing. Arousal is adrenaline in group A over group B and an increase in 
systolic blood pressure, which in return leads to more oxygen avail availability, which means more dopamine is released, which means more adrenaline is released, and which means you've more readiness and more focus and more get up and go and drive in you. So you basically, the end result of this study was, if you have a target, no matter how hard it is of that goal, if you have a target, because these people were carrying weights on their feet, if you have a target, you'll get there 23% quicker with 17% less effort if you have a target than someone that's just thinking about it and not really doing anything about it. So for my guys, as I said to them yesterday, now that we've science-backed evidence of, from a brain point of view of what's happening, when you have a target and every week and every month and a bigger goal to reach towards when you book in your classes with me and your workouts with me we'll take it that that's a, a it's given it's a done then all you have to do after that then is write down your food like I ask you to on a food diary so we can assess it every week and give you a relevant feedback even by writing down your food every week you're actually you're actually consciously doing something about it, which is goals in itself, because you have to have, you have a goal to fill out this food diary for me every week, so our nutritionist can look at it. So take it that your food is looked after, your workouts are looked after, and then all you have to do after that then is look after other areas of your life, um, your stress, your sleep, your water, and stuff like that. Now, when it comes to setting goals, there's something else. We're actually working with four parts of the brain when it comes to goals, of how and this determines how we're going to achieve these goals and I'm going to explain that in the next section because I can personally say last year I was ran out of my amygdala part of my brain which is the anxiety and the fear base that's there to stop us from making mistakes again like don't touch the fire you burnt your hand last week like don't crash the car you were on your phone like you hit the curb you know amygdala is there to it's fear driven and anxiety driven um, so I'm going to talk about that in the next section because this is really important when it comes to setting your goals because everyone's like when everyone does a vision board and does goal planning they're all looking at the end result going this is what I imagine myself in a positive way to be at the end of this goal but research now says that if you can envision the negative outcome of not having that goal research says I think Emily did this research paper as well. I'll put all the research papers in the show notes. You can read them yourself anyway, so you know that I'm not blowing steam out of my bum. I think it was Emily that did this research again, that if you can have fear driving your goal to somewhat, you're 50% more likely to achieve the goal. And I can definitely say that from last year's experience, that I was anxiety and fear driven going towards my goals. But I knew that but I was minding myself within that fear-driven state as well because I didn't want to get ran down. And I smashed all my goals, every single one of them. Did I make mistakes along the way? I sure did make mistakes along the way in all aspects of my goal setting. Some members dropped off because I wasn't looking after them because I was driven so much. Um, I had so many balls in the air. Um, did I... Did I give as much attention to my kids? No, I didn't, that I would have liked to. Did I give um, one or two members fell off where I should have given them more attention? Again, all mistakes the fifth, within the 15% rule, all mistakes that I learned from and that I grew from and, and have systems in place this year that that's not going to happen with members because we're not taking on that much members. We're going to mind the members that we have and everyone's seen and heard and getting results and growth will come. So from a brain point of view, know that just when you do a vision board and you set out goals and have a target, it's not hairy fairy, that from a brain point of view, this is the science.
Hey, so according to Andrew Huberman, the science behind setting goals when it comes to a neural circuit point of view, there are four neutral circuits involved in setting and achieving goals when it comes to our brain, basically. We have the amygdala, we have the basal ganglia, to hear my dog's little feet in the background. You have the basal ganglia, anyone that has worked with me previously in the past with eight week pro programs and stuff like that, you would have heard me uh, talk a lot about the basic anlia. It's basically where our habits are stored. It's our go and no go circuit. Okay, I'm going for this walk or I'm not going for this walk circuit. I'm going to wake up early and do it and run tomorrow or I'm not going to eat that cookie. So it's either yes or no. Basically, the basagania stores our um, daily habits as autopilot. So we do them without really being conscious. The amygdala is associated with um, anxiety and fear. This is involved in our desire for avoiding punishment and loss. And then the other part that it says there's four parts, but the cortex has two parts and um, the lateral prefrontal cortex and the orbital frontal cortex. Um, the lateral prefrontal cortex helps us with executive and long-term planning, which I can sometimes stay in for far too long because obviously that's my job. It's to plan ahead, it's to foresee things, it's to keep on having the programs, we're up and running, different things like that. And the the orbital frontal cortex helps with meshing emotions into our current state of processing and measuring where we are at um, right now or where we'd like to be. So the amygdala is fear-based and anxiety-based. Now, remember this one because this is an important one and I spoke about that at the beginning. Then you have the basal ganglia, which basically stores our auto habits, which is our, um, I am doing this run or I'm not doing this run. Um, your, your decisions right now depends on the outcome in the future. And the more you say yes to good habits, the more they become a habit, an auto habit in the brain, in the basal ganglia, and the, or sorry, they become an auto habit eventually in the basal ganglia that you do it without even thinking. And um, the cortex, prefrontal, executive mind, the orbital frontal, which is um, emotions in our current state of processing and measuring where we're at and where we'd like to be. So the reason these four um, parts, circuits of the brain are really important when it comes to goal setting is because if you decide to set out a goal and a target and a vision board and you put on the vision board that I visualize myself having three stone down and you have a picture of a model there that's not even you would address on a stress size 10 or 12 and you're a size 16, 18 at the moment and that's your vision. I want to be like her. Yes, it's a good marker, but that's very positive. And sometimes, as they were saying here in a study, uh, that this, that's, it's this Emily girl did, I'll put the study in the show notes, um, that if you just visualize the happy, positive outcome and goal, it's not enough. It's not enough to get you to, to achieve your goal. We have to have a little bit of fear and anxiety running this goal, feeding this goal to power us through. So the, this is where the amygdala comes in. If we can utilize the amygdala from an anxiety and fear point of view, we are going to be 50 times more likely to achieve the goal. 50 times more likely to achieve the goal. And then, the goal. And then from a basal ganglia point of view, we need to be consciously living going, I need to show up for this workout from a basic ganglia point of view to make sure that this becomes a habit and it's downloaded in the basic ganglia as an auto habit. You have to say, I'm showing up to this workout. And the more times you say, I'm not showing up to this workout, I'm not eating that healthy food, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to not buy the coffee, you're saying no to your future goal. So from a basic ganglia point of view, you have to say yes more often to healthy habits. 
and then that downloads it as um, an auto habit. And then, of course, you have the executive mind, which is the uh, lateral prefrontal cortex. And then you have the orbital frontal cortex. I think I'm pronouncing that right, which is your emotions. You need emotions wrapped around this all the time of why you're doing this particular goal. And of course, you need to have the executive mind as if to go, OK, is this goal actually suiting me? Is there value in this goal for me? Um, so you have to think logically about it as well. It's like, why am I actually doing this goal? Is it going to support my future self or am I ran off emotions, um, negative emotions, or am I following someone else's dream? Let me give an example. So if you listen to my earlier podcast about my um, breakup, which was, oh, I don't know what day, it was very, it, it was a bit of a messy breakup. Sure, aren't they all messy? But anyway, um, because it was a very quick breakup, I was kind of left high and dry and I had nowhere to live with my kids. Um, so all of last year, I was very fear driven from an amygdala point of view of achieving my goals because I had no choice. I had no choice but to achieve every goal that I set out to do because otherwise I would stay stuck to where I was, which was having nothing. So I was very fear driven. And let me tell you, it does work. When I was visualizing Okay, I was visualizing the end goal, but that wasn't enough. When I visualized not achieving the end goal and the fear associated with that of being left stuck where I am right now, that drove me more. So I can definitely vouch personally that this science research is a matter of fact um, true because I experienced that. I've read this study numerous times. I've read the papers numerous times and to get it into my head and I was like, from a personal point of view, I was there before I go on the podcast, I need to understand it from a personal level of why writing down your goals is um, powerful from a cellular point of view with your brain. How, why is it powerful from a cellular point of view and what do we need to do um, from a cellular point of view with our brain to make sure we're achieving these goals? Because I tell you why, I wasn't really... I set goals this year, but I wasn't really as excited about them as I was last year. And that's why I went researching this. I needed to find out why. There has to be a reason why, from a cellular point of view, a dopamine point of view, an adrenaline point of view. And the reason for that is, and this is the key point here, I'm getting comfortable. I'm getting comfortable with where I am at right now, but I shouldn't be comfortable because I'm nowhere near where I should be to feel comfortable. With my home life, my business, and um, financially, fitness-wise, everything. I, I, okay, I'm comfortable with my fitness, but I shouldn't be comfortable with everything else because I'm nowhere near where I need to be to be comfortable. So I'm settling for okay. And in order for me to not settle for okay, because that's not good enough. And if you've listened to my earlier podcast and not feeling good enough, it isn't good enough because on paper, it's not good enough. It's not good enough to where I need to go to get a house for myself and my kids. It's not good enough end off so I'm getting comfortable of being comfortable as if I have a guy sitting beside me that's half in the bills with me there's nobody I'm on my own there's a single income coming into the house um I've no help I'm doing everything by myself except for my ex-husband giving some maintenance to the kids but still it's not enough and um I need to put a bit more fear and anxiety behind my goals so instead of me being hairy fairy and going oh this is the end goal I'm producing a book in November I'm doing this I've doubled my financial target I've doubled my fitness target um, all this kind of jazz, I need to put fear behind it. And how I'm going to put fear behind it, because it worked for me last year, because it was like putting a bullet up my ass, I am going to end. imagine the end goal of me not achieving my goal. And science says to do the same. 
imagine two things when you put a target in front of you and you need the target in front of you where you can see it every day. And I'm going to tell you why in a second from a science point of view from these research papers. I lost my train of thought now. Oh, yes. You need to envision two outcomes. You achieving that goal and you not achieving that goal from a negative point of view. Because I can tell you, I achieved a lot of goals last year and the build up and the lead up to ticking off the mini goals towards the big goals were actually more adrenaline fueled, more exciting than reaching the goal itself. When I met two big, massive goals, I was like, okay, I should be more excited than this. And I wasn't. And they were huge goals and I wasn't. But the lead up and the build up and ticking off the list every week, checking in with my coach every week and every month and knuckling down every six weeks and setting new goals and new targets. And why didn't you meet the goal last, last, the last six weeks? What happened? What do you need to reassess? What needs to change? I was constantly evaluating my goals every week, constantly evaluating why I failed, constantly evaluating how I can make it better. And sometimes I went backwards a few times, then I went forwards, then I went backwards over the space of 12 months, but I still met my goal at the end of the year. I failed, I got back up, I failed, I got back up, I reassessed. And I'll tell you the last few, um, the last few important points of goal setting at the end of this podcast, but I just wanted to cover the 15% fail rate, um, the 15% fail rate, the, from a cellular point of view with the brain, what gets released um, from externally for external goals, dopamine gets released. If we don't reach our goals, we can like, you know yourself, if you didn't reach a weight loss goal and you're weighing into a fucking, um, a slimming club every week and you didn't reach your goal because maybe you didn't pass bowel movements and yet salt and you're up three pounds, but it's not really body fat. And you feel, feel like you put all your worth into the week of trying to lose weight, but you didn't realize, you don't realize that extra salt and a, bowel, a, a non-bowel movement can keep weight on your body. But you hop up in front of a scale in front of 20 people and it's saying that you're, you, you failed, even though you put all your worth into it. Because you didn't get that dopamine release, a matter of fact, your dopamine hit the floor and you're on the ground and you're weak and you feel worthless. So what are you going to do then? You're going to leave that diet club. Oh, you're going to hop off that scale and you're going to get a dopamine release somewhere. You're going to get a dopamine release somewhere. You're either going to drink alcohol, buy loads of bars of chocolate, buy a Chinese, buy a takeaway, because that's how you're going to get your dopamine release from buying something externally. And of course, if it's food, then you're going to get the internal serotonin release because you're going to eat that food and you're going to get a shot of serotonin. So you're getting a double whammy hit um, because of that failure that wasn't really a failure. Um, when you understand the science behind why weight fluctuates, from assault, bowel movement point of view, stress point of view, did you have a bad night's sleep point of view, did you have more sugar the day before point of view, it wasn't really a failure. But you left, you put all your worth on that scale for that one particular week, waiting for a dopamine hit release. And of course, that's why it works because everyone loses weight for the first few weeks and you get a dopamine hit release and you keep on going back. And then you're hooked because you're waiting for the dopamine release. And it's the same with new relationships. You go back to it you want always something new in a relationship because it's a dopamine hit. This is why we should be evolving in a workplace as well and have targets and because we're getting external dopamine release every time we hit targets and it keeps us going, it keeps us buzz and it keeps the adrenaline pumped. By the way, this isn't scripted, by the way, so I'm going off on a tangent. Let's get back to the goal setting. So <clears throat> that's why it's important to set your goals. Um, write it down from a cellular point of view 
And from the point of view of having something outside of you writing down that's not in your head, because if it's in your head, it's never going to happen. It needs to be physically written down and put somewhere where you can see it every day. And science says, if you are getting a bit kind of triggered or a bit overwhelmed about your goals, science reckons it's good to come in and out of your inner, inner internal self and external self. They call it extra personal space in this science papers. They call it peri-personal space to go internally. So basically, it's a fancy word for grounding yourself, really. So if you're getting a bit kind of high or a bit kind of high-fueled anxiety in a negative way and you don't feel like you're grounded and you feel like you're um, overwhelmed, research says here to try this trick. Look at your goal for 30 seconds, zone in on it and then look away. Close your eyes and take a big deep breath. Take three big deep breaths and close your eyes and focus internally on your state right now with your two feet flat on the ground. So basically it's a grounding tool. Three big deep breaths. Ground yourself. Slow down your breath. Come back into yourself internally. Then open your eyes. Look at your goal again or look somewhere else. It doesn't have to be your goal. If your goal is triggering you or making you feel overwhelmed, look somewhere else. Focus on the plant. Focus on something that you're not touching that's far away from you. Take three big deep breaths and come back in and close your eyes and focus on your internal self again. Do that three times and that will kind of calm you down, center you, focus you and ground you. Also, little bits of meditation and going outside for a 15 minute walk, going out in the fresh air, taking yourself out of your environment are really good tools to do as well that if you feel like you're getting overwhelmed and you feel like that you're not achieving your goals, just to reset, 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 reset. So guys, so there's the science back um, information when it comes to um, setting goals and why it's important to write down your goals and have some sort of vision board, whether that's a vision board in your fridge that you do with a piece of paper or on your phone that you do up and you have something to remind you of your goal. You just need something to target. So science back to us for achieving goals. We'll just run through them now. The 85% rule for optimal learning. Again, I'll put the article for that in the show notes. Fo- number two, focus Focus visual attention uh, to initiate goal pursuit and improve performance. That's the science back material when it comes to having a target to focus on and your personal space, your peripersonal space, which is coming inward for a few seconds, 30, 60 seconds, and then going outward just to ground yourself. Number three, it's always good to use a self-aged image of your future self what you want yourself to look like positively, but also what you don't want yourself to look like from a negative point of view. Because remember, we need this fear-driven and anxiety-driven to a degree as well. I know what I don't want to be like and feel like and move like when I'm 90. I know what I do and that's what drives me. And I have a visual representation of both. Um, one of them being my brother who is um, in a wheelchair and can't do anything for himself. That's not what I want to end up like. And the other one is I follow this girl train with Joan online. She's 76 and she is a powerhouse from lifting weights and living her best life. That's who I want to be like. Number four of the tools of helping you for goal setting. Visualizing success at a starting point, but visualizing failure is better for ongoing motivating. So when you can visualize what it is and Emily... Uh, ballistis in the lab that's what she again i'll put it in the show notes she did research on this 
that it's good to visualize yourself not achieving that goal. Because if you don't achieve that goal, what's the outcome? And that will um, trigger the amygdala and the amygdala will trigger from a cellular point of view. It will get the dopamine released, it'll get the adrenaline released and it'll raise the heart rate in a good way. That'll build up adrenaline that'll give you the power and motivation and performance to push through towards your goal. Number five, set goals that are realistic but challenging. Realistic. Okay, I'm going to do three workouts a week. That's realistic and it's challenging at the same time. Okay, I'm going to do one workout a week. That's realistic, but it's not challenging. Okay, I'm going to do five workouts a week, but my starting point is zero. Okay, that's not realistic and it's over challenging and you're going to fail by the 50% rate and that's not good. Find the middle ground, but make it challenging. Number six, don't set more than three major goals per year. Andrew Huberman says there's no real science or papers to back this, but it is a good starting point that if you have three big major goals throughout the year, that's enough. Because every time you go into, it's enough because we all have many goals throughout the year that we need to adhere by anyway. So three big goals. I want to run a half marathon if you've never ran one before. That's a big goal. I want to drop three, four stone. That's a big goal. Do you know what I mean? I need to save for a house. That's number three. Number seven, has Pacific, have Pacific and concrete action steps towards your goal. You need a roadmap. It's all right writing it down a vision board, but you need a roadmap. Get help, get a coach that'll help you roadmap out how to achieve that goal like I do with my members for their 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons and weight loss. We get a roadmap. We do that through online calls that we do during my six-week program. And number eight, a good frequency to access progress for goals is weekly. Assess your goals every week. Tim Urban did a famous talk on this on procrastination and how he ends up by showing um, a chart by he he assesses his goals every week. And that's the good way to measure your goals weekly. Number nine, engage in time space bridging to train our brain for goal setting and achieving. What does this mean? The breadth. Bring it back to your breath. Time, space, bridging to train your brain is, yes, we see our goal at the end point, but we need to come back and ground ourselves with breath work. Take three big deep breaths, close your eyes and bring yourself back into focus to your body. Open your eyes, take three big breaths and focus on something outside your body. That's why my 15 minute walk in the morning is key. I'm focusing on my body, but I'm also focusing on trees, the moon, stars, all of that jazz. And it helps ground me when things are a little bit busy. And the last thing I would say is we're, it's all about the dopamine and serotonin release that actually gives our reward-based systems. Serotonin is released in the gut. It's our reward-based system for food, basically, and hugs and sex and love and um, feeling like we're connected to somebody. And the dopamine is apparently released in the brain. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not a scientist. I'm just filtering through science papers here. The dopamine is released and it's a key hormone behind motivation and pleasure-seeking. And that's released in the brain. And we get that released through hidden targets, buying stuff, achieving external stuff. That's where we get our dopamine release. And that is key for motivation and pleasure seeking. So someone asked me on Instagram, how do you stay motivated? You're not setting goals. You're not setting daily goals and weekly goals and monthly goals and yearly goals that you can hit and achieve even at 85% because we need a 15% fail rate. Because if you're not setting those goals, when it comes to daily, weekly and monthly and yearly, when it comes to your fitness, your food and your mindset, that's why you're not motivated. That's why you're not motivated. You have nothing to keep you motivated. You have no future goal to keep you motivated. This is why I get my clients to book into 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons, hikes. This is why I organize them. They have something to stay motivated somewhat towards that goal to keep them interested and to keep them getting up and to succeed to achieving their daily and weekly goals because they're looking at the bigger picture. 
Anyway, I hope that helps. Check out the show notes, guys, for the science back research papers that are there. I'm not a scientist. I'm a fitness instructor um, who has a key interest in the mindset from my own personal point of view of where I was and where I've come from. Um, I did study with um, rapid transformation during lockdown as well. So I have a key interest in this area. And if I learn something, I put it into practice. Practice, And if it works for myself, I will share it with you guys. That's how I roll. Um, anyway, if you're interested in coming on to um, my six-week program initially, whether in person or online, go to ecofitness.ie, www.ecofitness.ie, or go to Google, uh, Google Eco Fitness by Karina Duffy, and there's a Cravens report there that you can download. And when you download their Cravens report, I get your interest in a call back. Or get on to me on Instagram as well and drop me a DM, or go onto the website and... Um, I should have the download. I'll put the download in the show notes, actually. I'll put the download for the Cravens. If you want to download the Cravens report to help you combat Cravens, I'll put that in the show notes. And when you click on the link, um, I will get your details and you'll automatically be added anyway to my mailing system, which I mail out um, the new podcast every second week. I don't spam people because I'm, I don't have time to spam people, if I'm totally honest. <laughs> and even if I did have a team, we wouldn't be spamming people because I just don't think that's right. But anyway... You can download the Cravens book and I will have your details there as well. And you'll also have my email address. And if you want more information on joining the six weeks program, the next one that's available, go to ecofitness.ie and we would love to get you started on your fitness, your nutrition and your mindset and start creating positive change there each week through a habit building process of daily, weekly workouts, nutrition and mindset tips or tricks or tools to help you stay going as well and that'll also bring you into our community that you'll be invited on to our events as well that's it guys i hope you enjoyed today's podcast if you did you have my full permission to share it um our reviews are key guys if you leave a review you help other people who might need to hear this podcast and um, you help them find the podcast um because the more google reviews or the more, more reviews we get the more ranking we get and the more people that sees um the podcast as well thank you so much until the next one chat then